our culture today, it's the norm to have every minute of your day full of something. School activities, making dinner, cleaning the house, most of the day is already spent at work. And not many of us think about rest, or especially having a rhythm of rest. But if we're going to look more like Jesus, rest is going to have to become more normal. Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. We've been looking at the life of Jesus, and rest is a key component of living like Him. It's hard for us, but we have to ask ourselves, are we reflecting the world around us, or are we reflecting Jesus? Make sure you're taking notes today because this one is challenging. Here's Pastor Aaron. Hey everyone, welcome to our Sunday morning service, and I am so glad that you're with us. Normally I start these talks by asking how you're doing and telling you how great you look, but I can't see your face, and and I wish that we could be together physically, but it's so awesome that technology provides us the ability to connect digitally and that you can engage with others on this Sunday morning as we worship together and as we hear the Word of God. And also want to give a shout out to everyone who's joining us for the first time. So maybe your friend sent you an invite, maybe you came across our feed on Facebook, and you just wanted to check out the church, and we are so glad that you're here with us. Once again, I wish we were in person so I could know your name and see your face and hear a little bit about your story, but we're just excited that you showed up this morning. And if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, my name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and we're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. Now, I don't know exactly how your week went, but if it was anything like mine, I am on coronavirus overload. Like if I get one more update, if I have to watch another news feed, um, if there's any more restrictions placed on me, I may go crazy. I may pull out my hair um, because it's just been so much. And as we looked at this week and we started to really reflect on, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? We didn't want to just give you another survival guide, like how are you going to survive the virus and what do you do in this moment? But we wanted a place where we could kind of pause, where we could breathe, where we could maybe for a moment set that a little bit aside and we could listen to what Jesus wants us to say. And so I believe the message that God kind of lined up months ago is very timely for what God wants to communicate right now in our lives. And you're going to see it's going to address right where we're at this moment, but it's also going to take us beyond that. And it's going to set up our lives for what God wants to do, not just in this moment, but also afterwards. And so we've been in this series, if you're joining us for the first time, we've been in this series called Jesus, the life of Christ on earth. And in this series, we've not just looked at the teachings or the message of Jesus, Uh, Maybe you've heard different Christians or other people talk about the life of Christ. Maybe you've studied his teachings. But we wanted to ask this question, how did Jesus live? So how did he engage his days? How did he prioritize things? What was valuable to him? Um, What did he step back from? What were the conversations that he, he had while he was here on earth? Because we have this overarching idea, and it's this right here, that if we want the life that Christ had, if we want a life of purpose, a life of meaning, if you want your life to be full and abundant, if you want that God kind of life where he uses you to care and to minister for others, if we want the life like Christ had, then we have to adopt the lifestyle that Jesus had. It's not just believing his teachings. It's not just listening to the message. It's walking as Jesus walked, a Jesus kind of lifestyle. 
So that's the conversation that we've been in and that we're gonna continue in as we move towards Easter. Jesus, how did you live your life? And how do we follow that? How do we reflect that in our lives? And so today, I wanna talk to you about this pattern that Jesus had in his life that I'm calling rhythms of rest. Rhythms of rest. How did Jesus practice rhythms of rest? How did he do this? So the past few weeks, I've been going through this book and it's been wrecking me. It's been challenging me. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's by um, a pastor up in Portland named John Mark Comer and um, a great author, a great speaker, a great pastor, and he's a writer. And he's challenging on this idea of what if we were to slow down like Jesus slowed down? Whenever I begin to work through messages like this and, and um, I'm going through them, I'm reflecting on them, I'm thinking about them, there's usually a moment where God stops me and says, hey, let's practice this. And so I'm an early morning person, okay? So I wake up at 4 a.m. Yes, there is a 4 a.m. in the morning. Maybe you've never been there, but I'm telling you, it does exist, okay? So I'm an early morning guy. I get up at 4 a.m. I kind of got a routine. I spend some time with Jesus. I get ready for the day. And usually by 6 a.m., I'm out the door. So on the days where I don't have to get the kids up and get them ready, because my wife, Sarah, and I, we kind of switch off there. And so the days where I don't have to get them up and ready, I'm out the door, and I have this routine. I go to Kroger. It's usually in and out of the store in four minutes. I walk. I grab my bagel. I get the cream cheese. I walk to the frozen section. I grab a frozen meal. And then I'm out the door, and I'm heading into the office. So it's kind of this rhythm that I've gotten into. And you can probably guess where this story is going, because this week, I got up at 4 a.m., did my time with Jesus, got ready for the day, and as I left to Kroger, I thought this may be a little bit different, and I drove up, and it's like the apocalypse happened, right? I walk into the store. It wasn't long after they had opened. Aisles are cleared out. Shopping carts are full, right? It looks like the place is abandoned, and I can't find anything that I normally grab. And so my bagel's not there. Usually the frozen meal that I have, it's not there. And, and finally, I'm scrambling. I just have this tiny black basket. I don't even have a cart. Just got a little black basket to put a couple of things in. And when I get up to the front, it's the longest line I've ever been in. Like the self-checkout counters are over here, and I'm at the other end of the store. It seems like there's 100 people in front of me, and I'm just wheeling in that moment someone look at me, right? I've just got a little black basket. You guys have shopping carts. How did you even get your carts that full? Did you just start dumping stuff in there? What did you do? And I've got this little black basket, and I'm dreaming of the moment that someone up front says, you just have a few items, Go ahead and move to the front of the line. Take my spot. Like, like, I just want that moment because I just want to get out of the store. And it's in that moment that I kind of feel this nudge, kind of hear the voice of God saying, why are you in a hurry? Like, what are you rushing to? Nothing's open. I have no appointments to get to that early in the morning, but I'm still in a hurry. I'm still rushing. I just want to get through the store. And so God just said, practice this, pausing not being in a hurry, not rushing. And so I'm standing there. I'm trying to be patient, right? I don't want anyone to cough on me. Like, like I'm just kind of there waiting in line with all of these other people in front of me. And then this happens. They open up another lane and it's close to where I'm at. And I think I can quickly just kind of run over there. I just have a few items. Other people have a whole you know, cart full of stuff. Like it's not gonna be a problem. I can get in and out really quick and then they can come behind me. And so when the cashier lady walks up, I have to say, hey, it's okay, you can go in front of me. I'll just wait in the longer line. 
And so sure enough, people start to zip into that line and now it's really long. And then they open up another lane. And as much as I want to run into that lane, I feel like I'm still supposed to wait with my basket, trying to wait patiently. I just want to get through, but I just kind of wait there. And I look at other people, hey, it's okay. You can go in front. I'm not in a hurry or anything. And I think in moments like that, I'm reminded, and maybe you've had moments like that, we're reminded, why are we rushing? And I believe that there are times where we miss opportunities to show kindness, to show compassion, just to be present in the moment because we're so busy and we're so anxious just to get to the next moment, just to get through. We miss the people that are around us. And yet that's not how Jesus lives his life. We see Jesus with this kind of slow down living with this different pace than we operate in. And I know all of us in this moment, like we're forced to slow down, right? There's no um, business meeting to get to. There's no large gathering. There's no school activities. There's no running the kids to the sports events. There's no baby shower or a good friend's wedding shower. Like all of that has kind of been put on pause and we're being forced in this moment to slow down. But that's how Jesus just lived his life. He wasn't in a hurry and he was able to show compassion He was able to minister to people because he had these rhythms of rest in his life. He wasn't rushing to the next moment. And so I want us to look at scripture and just look at how did Jesus live? How did he do this? How did he keep and maintain and practice this rhythm of rest? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter four, and I'm gonna go there in my Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Just open up another tab there on your browser Just Google, type in that Google search, Luke chapter four, you'll get there. We're gonna start reading at verse 42. Um, But let me explain what's happening in the book of Luke in case you've never read it before. So in the book of Luke, he's written about the life of Jesus. Like we, we read about the birth of Christ and then how Jesus kind of begins to minister publicly and preach the kingdom of God and do all of the crazy stuff that we read about, like opening the eyes of the blind and lame people walking. And then also ultimately the death and the resurrection of Christ. And in chapter four, this is where Jesus first begins to minister. And in order to start all of this off, the Bible tells us that he's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to pray and to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. I know that seems crazy, but yes, you can go without food for 40 days. If you're like me, like I can barely make it from lunch to dinner and I start to get angry. But Jesus is out there for 40 days and 40 nights fasting And here's what he's doing. He's alone in solitude, listening to the voice of God. He's praying. He's reflecting on scripture. There's no family expectations. There's no one calling his name. There's no one telling him he's got to be somewhere at some time. For those 40 days, he's practicing just being alone in the presence of God and connecting with his heavenly father. Now, this is the son of God doing this. And it's at the end of this moment that we read that he, all of a sudden, he becomes tempted by the enemy. Satan comes and he tempts him. I've always thought, well, this had to be the moment of weakness, right? Satan was gonna get him while Jesus is hungry, while he's hangry, right? Like, while he's going through all of these things. But as I begin to reflect on this, maybe this was Jesus' moment of greatest strength. As he began to practice this rhythm of rest and getting alone and listening to the voice of God and reflecting on scripture, maybe he was able to overcome the temptations of Satan because nothing else had been placed upon his life in that moment. He had just been with God. 
And so we see he starts just by spending time with God. And then he comes out of the desert in the very first day. It's a packed day. It's a full day. His schedule um, is going from start to finish. He, he begins by getting together in a church or in a synagogue, and he begins to teach and preach the kingdom of God. God's presence is coming near to you like God has come to reconcile his relationship with mankind. He's preaching, and then as he leaves the synagogue, these demon-possessed people come up to him, and so there's people with evil spirits, and he's casting out demons, right? And then um, into the evening, people that are sick, people that have leprosy, people that have skin diseases, and people that are lame, people that are blind, they're coming. And Jesus is doing all of this healing, right? So start to finish, his day is packed, and he's got to be worn out. And so he goes and he crashes. He hits his bed. And in verse 42, I want you to see what Jesus does. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, it says this. This is the next day. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. Jesus went out to a solitary place. Now, wait a minute. Hadn't he just spent 40 days out by himself listening to God? Yep, and then one day packed, and then Jesus goes back out into a solitary place. And then people come and look for him, and they came where he was, and they tried to keep him from leaving. Jesus, you have to stay here. There's more sick people. There's more people that need your help. And Jesus said, no, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Now, when I'm reading this, and you may be reading this and thinking about that, wait, Jesus, you just spent all this time alone, and this is your moment to shine, right? Like your quote from yesterday in that temple, in the synagogue, like people are retweeting that. Um, you're going viral. People are going crazy. You're the top of the news headline because you're healing people. This is your moment, Jesus, to be in the spotlight. And what does he do? He leaves and he goes to a solitary place alone to pray, to connect with God, to reflect on scripture, to realign his heart with God. How did Jesus keep this rhythm of rest? It's he continually got away from the crowd. He continually isolated himself in a place where he was alone and where he could just hear his heavenly father's voice. How many of us live like that? We don't, right? We have to be forced into moments like this where we're actually able to pause long enough to kind of catch up with our thoughts and catch up emotionally and to catch our breath. And yet this is how Jesus continually lived his life. If you haven't read through the gospels, if you ever get the chance to do that, you see this pattern in Jesus' life. He ministers and then he steps back and he finds a solitary place. He does some miracles and then he steps back and he gets alone with God. He feeds 5,000 people and everyone's like, you should be the king, let's overthrow Rome. And he says, no, and he goes up on the mountaintop alone all night long. He's just saying, God, I need you to reshape my thoughts. God, I need to be closer to you. God, I need to realign my heart. I've been around crowds this whole time. God, I need you to refresh me and pour back into me. It's this pattern, this rhythm of rest over and over again. Jesus gets away and he spends time with his heavenly father. He spends time with God. He just wants to connect. What would our lives look like if we practice this rhythm of rest? If we weren't immediately rushing into our day, because let me be honest, there's always gonna be one more email to answer. There's always gonna be one more project. There's always gonna be something else to do. But what if we're, before we begin any of that, we were more concerned, the most important thing that we could do was to spend time with our heavenly father. 
Now, maybe you're thinking, Aaron, all of that sounds great, and I'd love 40 days alone in some kind of desert spa, especially because my kids are driving me crazy, right? Like in that moment, I'd love 40 days by myself, but there's no way I can do that. I can't do that with my schedule. But what about the first 15 minutes of your day? What if you could grab your cup of coffee, set the alarm a little bit earlier? I know it's so hard to get out of bed or grab a cup of orange juice and just have a conversation with God. And before, if you have kids before they wake up or before you look at all of the emails from your boss or what phone calls you missed or what's happening on social media, if you said, okay, God, this is just the time to quiet my heart. God, this is a rhythm of rest in my life where I pause at the beginning of my day. Do you wanna know how Jesus had peace in his life? Do you wanna know when everyone's pulling for his attention, how he stayed centered and connected with God? Do you wanna know how he did that? It's because he practiced this rhythm of rest in the morning. He got away to solitary places and he said, God, I need you to pour back into me. What do you want me to do today? God, I'm listening to you. How would your life look different if you were to pause? And you were to listen to the voice of God. God, what do you want to say to me today? Maybe you can't get away for 40 days, but maybe you could do 15 minutes. Maybe you could do five minutes and say, God, I'm here in this moment. I'm here with you, Lord. Nothing else is around me, God. And I just need some rest and some peace for everything that I'm going to face today. Not only did Jesus have this pattern of getting away, of of resting, of doing that, but Jesus had this rhythm of rest because he knew how to stop working and how to just enjoy life. He knew how to stop working and just enjoy life. We see this over and over again in these different kind of eyewitness accounts, the gospels um, that were given. So in Luke chapter two, verse 41, and you may not be able to go to all of these, but you can write them down if you're taking notes. Um, So Luke chapter two, verse 41, he's 12 years old. And this is what scripture tells us is that Jesus went up to the festival. He went up to Jerusalem with his parents to celebrate um, the feast that they were having in John chapter two, verse 13, in John chapter five, verse one, in John seven and eight, he goes up to the, the celebration and the festival. This is what's happening is Jesus grew up in a nation And he grew up in a culture where three times every year for at least a week, for seven days, you would travel kind of together in caravans, in large groups, and you would end up in Jerusalem. Now, I know we can't do large gatherings right now, so we're kind of jealous. If you're an extrovert, you're like, I wish I could just be around people. So that's what they did for a week. You're around people. You're dancing. You're singing. You're celebrating. You're retelling stories. How was Jesus so great at telling stories? Because for a week, every year, three times, three different weeks throughout the year, you would get together. You would just tell stories of what God did, of how amazing God is, stories of God bringing his people out, right? And all of this, God doing all of these great things. And so Jesus knew how to stop working. As a Jewish rabbi, he would have followed the Jewish calendar where three times for one week, all three different times, you would head up to Jerusalem and you'd eat these great meals You would gather around friends and family. You would rejoice. You would celebrate. You'd talk about the goodness of God. Jesus knew how to enjoy life. He knew how to celebrate. He knew how to kind of enjoy the moment and appreciate those people that were around him. And this is how Jesus lives his life in kind of this rhythm of rest. Jesus knew how to stop working. And so many of us, we're driven every single day just getting through the next day, trying to get the task done, trying to get the workload done. And we're thinking there's no way that I could do that. And that's why we're missing rest in our life. 
And God was so passionate about this. In Exodus chapter 31, he told his people this. He mandated these celebrations. He said, hey, there are going to be three times throughout the year for a solid week, for seven days, all three times, you're going to stop working. And if you don't stop working, you're going to be cut off from your people. Now, you may read that and you may think, well, what did that mean? Did God exile them? Like, what was going to happen? And that's one line of thought. But another line of thought is God was saying, hey, if you don't know how to stop working, if you don't know how to pause, if you don't know how to rest, if you don't know how to laugh and eat and dance and sing and enjoy other people's company, you're not going to connect with others. And it's as if Jesus was saying, hey, in this moment, if you're only controlled by this, you, your face is constantly in a screen, emails and Facebook updates and what other people are doing. And, and if you don't know how to stop and hit the pause button on this, you're going to be disconnected from the people around you. You're going to be cut off from the people. That's how many of us are living because we don't have this rhythm of rest. We don't have this balance that Jesus had in his life hey, I'm gonna stop working, I'm gonna enjoy life. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna dance, I'm gonna celebrate. Maybe you never pictured Jesus doing that, but, but I promise you he did. He joined in at these giant festivals and he rejoiced in the goodness of God. Jesus knew how to just enjoy life and to be present in the moment. He practiced this inside of his life. I came across um, this story, it's from 19. 67, and it's a Senate subcommittee. So there was a group of senators in 1967, I realize that's before most of us were born, that got together and they were making a prediction for 1985. They were tasked with this idea, what would America look like in 1985? And this is what they came up with. They said, hey, based off of all of our studies, the way technology is advancing, um, automation, the, the thought that robots will occur, and all of this stuff, like, it's gonna help ease our life so much that the average American in 1985, this was their prediction, will only work 22 hours a week, right? We're laughing. We're like, we'd love that week. Like, like only 22 hours and then the robots take care of everything else. Technology takes care of everything else and we don't have to work that much. But not only did they say we'll only work 22 hours a week, they said we'll only work 27 weeks a year. So a number of weeks, we're not even going into work. We're not even putting in those 22 hours. And so that was their prediction. Hey, technology, engineering, um, robotics, all of that stuff, it'll make our life so easy. This will be so easy. And now we look back and we laugh and we think, wait, all of, all of this technology, it did not make our life easier. Because now in an instant, my boss can email me, right? You can get the phone call from, from work. Someone can contact you, your family member. Hey, I need you to do this. Come help me with this. We're constantly slaves to this. We have got to learn how to stop working, how to hit the pause on that, and how to say, God, I, I just want to enjoy life. I don't want to be a slave to these devices that were supposed to make my life so much easier, I wanna learn how to enter into your rhythms of rest, Jesus, and what you're doing. There's one more thing that we see in the life of Christ, and it's this right here, that Jesus, he could practice this rhythm of rest. He could know what it was like to slow down because Jesus knew how to say no. Jesus knew how to say no. In John chapter five, verse 19, and I'm paraphrasing this, he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I'm not giving in to everyone else's expectations. I'm not being pulled every direction. I'm doing what the Father tells me to do. In John chapter 12, verse 49, 
He says this, he says, I'm only saying what the Father tells me to say. I'm not gonna try to take all this other stuff on my own, but I'm living as the Father wants me to live. Jesus could practice rest because he knew how to say no. He knew how to do that. Jesus, we need you to come heal. There's all of these sick people. And he paused and said, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? No, I can't do that. God's calling me to something else. Jesus, we want you to be king. Like, we're gonna put you on the throne. We're gonna do all of this. No, that's not what my father's called me to do in this moment. He knew how to say no to other people's expectations. There's even this moment in the gospels where his mom and his brothers come, Jesus, we need you to come do this for us. And and he pauses and then he says, no, no, that's not where God's leading me at right now. He knew how to manage family expectations. And so many of us, we're we're frazzled, right? Like we're, we're burning the candle at both ends. We're pulling out our hair. We don't know how to function. Like we're high anxiety, high stress. Like we're in these moments because we've not learned to say no. We've not practiced this rhythm of pausing and saying, God, what do you want in this moment? And I'm not gonna take on more than you're asking me to. I'm not gonna do more than you've told me to do. And so when the boss says, hey, you can get some overtime, you can do some projects, but it's gonna take up your evenings, you can pause and say, hey, I appreciate that opportunity, but, but I'm gonna have to pass because my priority is being with my family or being with my friends. And I've really guarded that time to be around others that are gonna encourage me. And so I can't take on more work at this point. When you get that phone call from your family and they're saying, hey, we're having the wedding shower or, or the baby shower, there's this family engagement and, and it's on Sunday. I know you normally hang out at church on Sunday, but we want you to come for you to pause and say, no, I appreciate that, but I'm not gonna be able to make it because I've put a priority on being in God's house. That's what he's called me to do with my Sundays and being around other Christians and other followers of Christ. Like That's really important to me. And so I'm gonna have to say no to that. See, we become overwhelmed, burnt out, worried, full of anxiety when we don't understand the rhythms of rest. And that means like Jesus being able to say, no, I'm gonna have to pass on that because God's calling me to do this or God's not calling me to do that. That's what we see in the life of Jesus. I was reading in in the book that I mentioned earlier, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by um, John Mark Comer, He talks about this story where this pastor is interviewing a very famous theologian. His name is Dallas Willard, and I'm one of the top theologians right now in our time, great Christian writer, great Christian professor. And this pastor asked Dallas Willard in this interview, what do I have to do to live the Jesus lifestyle? I'm a pastor of a large church. Like, what do I do to really live out the gospels? And the phone call goes silent for a moment, and then Dallas Willard responds, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so the pastor writes that down. He thinks about it for a moment and he's like, okay, I got that, but what else do I have to do? Like, what else? Like, that can't be it. And once again, the phone call goes silent for a moment. And then Dallas Willard speaks up again. No, I don't think you understand. That's it. You have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life because the number one obstacle from us growing spiritually and being like Jesus is we're in too big of a hurry. We're in a rush, so we miss the God moments. We miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. We miss God's prompting. We miss the ability to care and be compassionate for others because we're too busy getting to the next place. 
We're too busy rushing. And if we want to grow spiritually, we talk about this a lot here at NCC. Scripture shapes our life. It's the number one catalyst to our spiritual growth. And that's not just a cliche thing we say. It's not just a Christian thing to say. We really believe that if we will engage with Scripture, it will help us grow. If you're on a spiritual journey, I would encourage you, open up the Bible, begin to read Scripture. It's going to challenge you to grow spiritually. But along with that, that number one catalyst of spiritual growth, I've been thinking on this obstacle and that we may need to pay attention to this because the number one obstacle to our spiritual growth, it's hurry. It's it's trying to move too quickly to the next thing and we miss the rhythms of rest that we see this pattern in the life of Jesus of being alone, of saying no to the right things, of learning to stop working and just enjoy life. So let me give you a few tips of what this looks like to practically walk this out in our life, what what this means for each and every one of us. How do we do this? The first is this. This week, I want to challenge you to stop, breathe in deeply, and breathe out. You can do that right now. Breathe in deeply and breathe out. And take a moment and reflect on Scripture Listen to the voice of God. See if there's something that God wants to speak or there's something God wants to do. Now, maybe you're saying, Aaron, that sounds really new agey or kind of like some other religion. Don't other religions do that? Christianity doesn't really do that. But this is something that Christians have done for thousands of years. But unlike other religions, we're not trying to empty our life. We're trying to fill it. I'm not trying to release all emotions and kind of get to this place of Zen. I'm trying to align my heart with God. And so when I breathe out and I breathe in, I'm asking God to fill me with the truth of his scripture. When I breathe out and when I breathe in, I'm asking God's voice to fill up my life and to direct me and guide me. When I breathe out and when I breathe in, I'm asking for God's peace and his compassion to lead me throughout my day. This is a practice that we need. It's that moment of rest before we start our day or in the middle of the day to say, God, I invite your peace back into my life. Another thing that we can do as we look at this, just another tip that we have is we need to learn how to parent our phones. Here's what I mean by that. Right now, you're probably pulling out your hair trying to parent your kids, right? Like only 30 minutes of video games, you're going to fry your brain. I don't, I don't care. Like you're trying to, to get them into bed and out of bed, right? So there's still some sense of normality, some routine. And so you parent them. You do what you know is best for their life. And we need to parent our phones instead of allowing our phones to parent us because for so many of us, this tells us what time to go to bed. This tells us what time to wake up. This tells us what to do with our time. This tells us the tasks and the projects and all of those things that we have. We're controlled by this, but it shouldn't be like that. And so you need to parent your phone. Hey, phone, you're gonna go to bed at 8.30 and that means you're not gonna interrupt me. You're not gonna disturb me after that and I'll come get you when it's time to get up in the morning. That you don't allow it to control you. The first thing you're not doing is hopping on social media. That you're not controlled by an email or by a phone call or by did someone like you. Like We're controlled because we want that gratification when Facebook pops up, when Instagram, when there's a Snapchat message or video from someone. Like We want that, right? It feeds something in us. I'm important. I have value. I have worth. But It's really our phone controlling us, and we need to parent it. No, you're not going to tell me what to do. 
You're not going to direct my day. It's learning that, hey, I can pause. I can have rest. I don't need to be controlled by something else. We need to learn how to pick the longest line. This is going to be so hard for you. I know it's hard for me, but we tend to rush so much throughout our day that maybe this practice of choosing the longest line at the grocery store, maybe this practice of the traffic lane that's not moving fast, you choose to pick that lane and to wait and to pause, and you're not cutting in and out of traffic, especially if you have an NCC sticker because you don't want people to think Christians are jerks, but, but you let someone else go in front of you in the traffic lane. You tell someone else, hey, go ahead and take my spot in the grocery line. I can wait. I'm not in a hurry. I choose to see people and be compassionate and kind and be present in the moment where I'm at. One more thing, maybe to practice this rhythm of rest, we could take a day away. I know some of you are immediately thinking, there's no way, Aaron, I can't do that. That's too long. But, but how different would our life look if we took a day every month, maybe every quarter, and we just paused? And we said, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to do? How am I doing emotionally? How am I doing physically? Am I caring for myself, God? How are we doing spiritually? How's our relationship, God? Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're a single dad, a single mom. And the solution is, because you have kids, is switch with someone else. Hey, I'll take your kids this month. You take my kids next month. And we're just going to give each other a day away. And Pastor Aaron said, I have permission on that day to take a long nap, to journal, to read my Bible, to put out a hammock under a tree and just to sit there and take in the beauty of God's nature and refresh and renew my soul because getting alone is refreshing to us. How different would we be if we practiced this? High school students, how important is it to have those moments when you hear the voice of God, when everyone else is trying to tell you what to do and what your career should look like and where you should go with your future and the kind of person that you should be, that you would stop one day every month or every quarter and you would say, God, what do you want? What are you saying about me? For those of you that are in your young adult years, um, from 18 to your mid-20s, how important is it when all of the stress and the anxiety and we're being told that's one of the most stressful and anxious filled times of your life that you would pause and say, God, today I choose peace. How are we doing, God? What do you wanna speak? Business owners, managers, those of you that work in, in retail, all of these time, how important is it that we stop all of the pressures of outside and we say, God, what do you want in this moment? We practice solitude, God, we practice rest. Because Jesus, that's how you lived. And if we want the Jesus kind of life, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, then we have to adopt your lifestyle. We have to practice those rhythms of rest. And so I wanna take a moment. I just wanna pray for us. You may be alone by yourself. And if it's helpful, you can bow your head and you can close your eyes. Maybe you're with others there, um, with family members or maybe with a couple of friends. And I want you to just take a moment and reflect on what we've talked about. How are you doing with rhythms of rest? What does your life look like? For some of you, if you're joining us for the first time, maybe your image of God is a God of judgment, a God who's waiting for you to mess up, who, who's up in heaven with some kind of book and he's writing down every wrong thing that you've done. 
And as you've listened this morning, maybe you're being reminded or maybe your eyes are being opened to a God that laughs, to a God that dances, to a God that says, hey, let's celebrate. I've created these rhythms of rest and of peace in your life. And you don't have to live your entire life struggling. Your worth is not based off of what you produce. The Bible says this, that we've all missed God's mark. We've all come up short somewhere in this equation with God. The Bible calls that sin, where we walk in disobedience to God. And the truth is we can't fix ourselves. We can't try to be good enough to get into heaven. We can't try to do this on our own. And the beauty of the gospels is we don't have to. That's the life of Jesus that we're looking at and that we're reflecting on and that we're studying is that he lived here. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. He died for our sins and he rose again so that our relationship with God could be restored. And there are some of you that are listening to this right now. You're feeling something you've not felt before. Maybe for some of you, you've had a relationship with God, but you've kind of walked away from that. And God in this moment is inviting you back to salvation, to forgiveness, to peace, to rest that you've not experienced in a long time. And so I'm gonna pray this prayer. And if you're with a group of people, I want everyone to say this out loud, whether you're praying this for the first time, whether you've prayed this before, or if you're by yourself, once again, say this out loud with me. Let's pray. Jesus, I come to you. And I realize the brokenness in my life. I've sinned and I've missed your mark. And I'm desperately in need of your forgiveness. So I need you to come into my life and change me. Give me a brand new start, Lord. Help me to live my life, Jesus, as you lived your life. And make me new. And I pray this in your name. Amen. We just want to put our hands together and celebrate with you. And I want you to know if you prayed that prayer um, of saying, God, I want to start that relationship, or maybe you were reconnecting. The Bible says that heaven is rejoicing. All of heaven is celebrating, and we're celebrating with you because God's giving you a brand new start. This is a new opportunity for God's peace and rest that you don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to try to do it on your own, but God's salvation is working inside of you. And now I, I just wanna pray a prayer of blessing over us. In this moment, when there's so much worry and there's so much anxiety, that we would practice rhythms of rest that would bring peace in our life. That we would be able to pause, spend time with God, reflect on His goodness, say no to the things that we need to say no to. In the moments where we can, we stop working and we enjoy life. So I'm gonna pray over you, but I don't want you to be a spectator. I want you to be a participant. So if you've never prayed before, there's no fancy words you have to say. There's no special formula. Just be honest with God. This is what I'm feeling. And let's pray that God would help us to be people who like Jesus, we practice rhythms of rest. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this pattern in your life. And Lord, I don't know if this message was for anyone else, but it was for me, God. I need to hear this. I'm in such a hurry that I miss the moment, God. I rush past people that need you and that I could be caring for, I could be compassionate with God. And that's not the way I wanna live. And so I'm just being honest, I need your help. I need you to teach me to slow down. 
Jesus, let me find these rhythms of rest, God, and to pattern my life after you, God. Help me to stop and just breathe you in and take a moment, God, where you renew me and refresh me, God, and I get away from all the expectations, God. Help me to say no to the right things, God. Lord, help me to learn to enjoy life, God, and to practice this rhythm. God, I want your kind of life, so let me live your kind of lifestyle. And God, I pray that over everyone. God, your peace in the moment, in this moment. God, your rest. God, your joy, even in the midst of this difficult situation in people's rooms right now. God, in living rooms, around the kitchen table, wherever we're watching this, Lord, that you would come in and invade our life with joy, God, that only comes from you, even in the midst of a difficult circumstance. Let us be this kind of people. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Take a few minutes and just breathe. Think about this week. How can you plan to make rest a rhythm in your life? Schedule some time this week where you know that the only thing you're going to have to do is just be, to just rest. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. And we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.